I want you to take your Bibles, turn back with me to Matthew chapter 24, Matthew chapter 24, and um, I just um, I just couldn't get this the rest of this passage off my heart. I, I tell you, as I went through this week, the message I preached last Sunday morning, God just kept working in me, and um, I just began to study these verses out after uh, the verses following where we were Sunday, last Sunday morning. And God just been, just really pricked my heart that I needed to share these things. Now, I want you to understand, right now we live in a day, people are fascinated with the second coming of the Lord. Um, I was telling a few people um, that message last Sunday morning on Facebook went, went viral. It went nuts. Um, and just people are fascinated with it right now. And, um, and I'm not doing that because of people's fascination. I, I'm doing it. Because I, I really believe that um, if there's ever a day that we need to get a sense of urgency, it's today. And, um, and I just, uh, you know, I, I feel like I would be a mist if I did not take this, this time um, and expound these truths given the day we live in. Uh, because as I said last Sunday morning, I, I believe we're not in the last days, we're in the last of the last days. Amen. And um, now... I want to remind you before we read our text, I want to remind you of what we looked at last week real quickly. Remember the first 31 verses of Matthew 24 are tribulation prophecies that will be fulfilled. They're not pre-rapture prophecies, they're tribulation prophecies. And um, those fulfillment will take place in the tribulation period. Now, as I said last Sunday morning, at the same time, there are what I would call precursors of those things that are already beginning to take place. And what's going to happen in the tribulation, earthquakes, famine, all those things, which all represent the seven seals in Revelation, those things will begin to be fulfilled completely during the tribulation. But yet the pathway for these things are already taking place. We have more famine than we've ever had before. We've had more wars and rumors of wars we've ever had before. We've had more earthquakes we've ever had before, and we could go on and on. But this is not the day in which these are fulfilled. It's the tribulation when these are fulfilled. Then when you get to verse 32... He gives us two illustrations of how you and I can discern and know the season in which he comes. Now, the point is, it's not that we have to guess about the season. God wants us to know the season. It's the day and hour is what we don't know. And the day and hour is what we're anticipating and expecting, but we will not know that day and hour. Listen, when the Lord comes, you and I will not know that day and hour. But God wants us to know the season. And so he gives us two illustrations to help us understand the season. He gives us the illustration of the fig tree, which pictures the birth of the nation of Israel back into their land in 1948. Some say 1967 when they took over Jerusalem. Uh, some say when they came back to the land to start with in 1948. Listen, whichever one you choose on that, it don't matter. We're still in the last of the last days. And so, uh, so that's over 70 years ago that that took place. And it says this generation will not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. What things? These tribulation prophecies in the first 31 verses. So in other words, that generation will not pass away till all these things be fulfilled. So I want to tell you something, folks. We're the only generation in the history of this world that can say what we say today, that we saw the nation of Israel and the fig tree blossom again. And so we need to be urgent about this season in which we're in. I don't have to guess about when the season is. The Bible's clear about the season. We're in the season. And the point is, we don't know the day and hour. The other illustration he gave was the flood, the days of Noah. It says, as in the days of Noah, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be. And so we went back, and remember last week, we looked at Genesis 6, and we saw that what we're seeing today is exactly mirroring what happened in Genesis chapter 6 in the days of Noah before the flood. And so Jesus said, just as it was in the days of Noah, just shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. And folks, listen, if someone says, well, I don't believe what we're seeing today is what it was in the days of Noah. Listen, at best, you're blind. It is absolutely clear in Scripture that what we're seeing today is exactly what was happening in the days of Noah. And we looked at that in specifics. And then he steps back and he says now that you know the season by the fig tree and by the flood. He said, now understand this truth. He steps back on this side of the tribulation and he says, now two will be working in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two will be working in the mill, one will be taken, one will be left. Now remember, how do we know that's speaking of the rapture? Because of the word. 
Remember what it says. That when it says that those of the days of Noah were tooken, taken in the flood or taken by the water, that word took it means to be swept away. In other words, swept away in judgment. But remember when it says one will be left, one will be taken, that word is a word that means this. It means to be received unto oneself as precious. So in other words, listen, if judgment was what was taking that person away, it wouldn't be precious. They wouldn't be received to somebody. They would be pulled away in judgment. But aren't you glad today for the redeemed one day the Lord Jesus is going to take us up and when he takes us up, he's going to receive us unto himself as precious. Remember, the rapture, he comes in the clouds. The second coming, he comes to this earth. Now, with that being said, let's stand in reverence to the reading of God's Word. Look at verse 42. So with all that, watch therefore, for you know not the hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would have not suffered his house to be broken up. The word broken up in the Greek means to be burglarized. Therefore, be ye also ready, for in such hour as you think not the Son of Man cometh, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him in an hour that he is not aware of, and shall cut him asunder and appoint his portion with the hypocrites, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's pray. Father, I pray you'd make this text real to us this morning. I pray you'd give us eyes to see, ears to hear. Pray you'd give us wisdom and understanding to apply. I pray, Father, that you would develop a sense of urgency within us. And Father, you'd glorify yourself in what you do and how you do it in Jesus' name. And all God's children said, Amen. Amen. So two will be working in the field, one will be taken, one will be left. Two in the mill, one will be taken, one will be left. One will be taken up to re be received as precious unto him. The other will be left for judgment. And then he says, watch therefore. Now remember, we finished up with that word last week. Watch therefore. In other words, be alert, be awake, be, be hastening to understand that at any moment, at any day, when you've seen these things, when these things are true, at any moment of any day, the Lord could come for his children. Watch therefore. Now, what he does is he gives us three illustrations in this text of what it means to watch and what it means to be ready. Because if he tells us to watch, we need to understand what that means to watch, what it means to be ready. And so what he does is gives us three illustrations. These three illustrations is how I entitled it is this, an accountable steward, and, and then he's going to give the illustration of an anticipating servant, and then lastly, he's going to give us the contrast with an apathetic sinner. Now, listen. To understand these three truths is to understand exactly what it means to be watchful and exactly what it means to be ready. Now, I want us to walk through these things because I want to tell you, they're very unique texts. They're very unique, unique illustrations. And I want you to gather this with me. I want you to listen closely to what I'm about to say. Let's begin with the accountable steward. Look at verse 43. He says, but know this. If the goodman of the house, now what is the goodman of the house? Well, it's the one that's the head of the house, the head of the household, the master of the house, if you will. He says, but if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched 
and would have not suffered his house to be broken up. Look at three things with me real quick. The awareness of this steward. The awareness of this steward. You say, what do you mean? Well, there's something that had been revealed to him. There's something that had been made known to him. And you say, what was made known to him? The watch in which the thief was coming. Now you say, what in the world is the watch? Well, the word watch can be translated time or season of time. In other words, an elapsing of time. So here's what what this, this goodman of the house understood. He understood the season in which the Lord or which the thief was coming the season in which he was coming but didn't know the day and hour so what did he do well he had to be watchful why because he didn't know the day and hour therefore at any moment in any day the thief could come and burglarize his house now the thing is, as I've said before, God has not left it a secret what season he's coming. He's made it perfectly clear in his word. The problem is we're not discerning in America today that we're living not just in the season, but at the end of the season. And at any moment, the Lord Jesus could come. And so he pays the pathway by saying that you can know, just as this Goodman knew, you can know when this is going to take place. Now, secondly, look at the alertness of the steward. The Bible says in verse 43, since he knew the watch or the season the thief would come, he would have watched and would have not suffered his house to be broken up. Now, this word watch is the same word used in verse 42. So what does it mean? It means to be alert, to be awakened. Here's the picture. The picture is this, this goodman, this master of the house. How many agree being the master of the house, he is a steward of those things that are belong to him? Now, here's the thing. How many things do you own as a Christian? Zero. God owns them all. You're stewards of what God owns. So here's the reality. If someone came to you and said, I'm going to take what is yours, what would you do? That's the picture here. In other words, you'd make every preparation to keep that from taking place. You'd make every preparation to keep from your stuff being taken away. Well, the picture is here that you and I have been good stewards of what God has. God's given us things in which we're stewards over. And the picture is that just as that goodman would protect those goods, you and I would protect those things that we're stewards over. So we'd stay alert. We would stay awake. If we didn't know the day and hour he was, this thief was coming, what would we do? We'd stay up at night. We'd watch. We'd be prepared. We'd be anticipating. At any moment, he could come. And we would take every precaution necessary to be ready when that thief came. But here's what's happened in America. Well, the Lord's coming. But I don't know when he's coming. So I'll just go about my merry way, live how I want to live, the way I want to live it. Because, listen, I've heard he's coming for years and he's never come yet. And so I'm just going to keep doing what I do, not going to be anticipating, not going to be watchful, not going to be ready. I'm just going to keep living my life how I want to live it. I want to tell you something, folks. That kind of mindset we're going to deal with in this text is a mindset that would cause a person not to be ready and would cause a person to stay in their condemnation. This goodman was ready. Now you say, well, how do I watch? Well, listen to what it says. First Peter chapter 4, verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Now, I'm not very smart, folks. But if, if, if the Bible says in that day that the end of all things was at hand, how much closer are we today? He says the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober. What does that mean? It means be stabilized in your way of thinking. Being centered in your way of thinking. He says, and watch. How do I watch? Unto prayer. You say, what do you mean, preacher? Well, here's what, what I mean. If I know that a thief is coming, then what am I going to be prepared? Who's the only one that can prepare us? He can. Who's the only one that can get us ready? He can. So guess what? My intimacy, my fellowship, my yieldedness, my ability to stand in, in his strength and my, my strength is a Essential to me being ready. Therefore, listen, prayer is the key to your watchfulness. I would say this to you. It, well, the Word of God and prayer go hand in hand. 
And, and if you don't have the Word of God consistently in your life, you're not a praying person. And I don't care how many hours you spend on your knees. If the Word of God is not consistent in your life, you're not a praying person. And here's the reality. That prayer and the Word go hand in hand, and my intimacy and your intimacy with our Father is essential to you being watchful and ready. And I want to tell you something. I believe it's the proving point many times. I've said this before. The first thing that changes in a person when they're saved is their desire. And I think it's one of the marks that proves the true child of God is their intimacy with the Father. Now, let me show you, thirdly, the application of the steward. Look at verse 44, because this is what is unusual. In verse 44, he says, therefore, be ye also ready. Now, notice he didn't say watch. He said, be ready. There's a difference. In verse 42, he's talking about, as a child of God, be alert, be watchful. But now he's saying, to be watchful, you got to first be ready. you got to be prepared. That's what this word means. He says, be ready for in such an hour as you think not the Son of Man coming. Now, here's what he does. When you see that word, therefore, what do you have to ask? What is it there for? Right? So when you see that word, therefore, it's connecting us back to verse 43. So what he's saying is in the exact same way a thief will come in the night, in the exact same way the Lord will come for his people. Now you say, preacher, are you saying the Lord's a thief? No, he's not. But I want to tell you something. He's coming as a thief. But he's only coming as a thief to the lost. He's not coming to, as a thief to the saved. But he's coming as a thief to the lost. You say, what do you mean? Well, I want to show you in Scripture. Look what it says. What is the definition of a thief? The Bible says, the thief cometh not to, but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I, Jesus, am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. In other words, here's how a thief comes. To kill, steal, and destroy. Pictures our enemy, Satan. But listen, how does Jesus come? Jesus said, I come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So here's the picture. Jesus came in the conviction of the Holy Spirit and gave those that would receive him life, an abundant life. That what? That when he came in rapture, they wouldn't be taken up and they wouldn't be handed over to the enemy which steals, kills, and destroys. It's a great contrast. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Look at it with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Verse 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, I have no need that I write unto you. In other words, they're crystal clear. For you yourself know perfectly the day, not the season, the day of the Lord shall come, how? As a thief in the night. In other words, for those that are lost, the day of the Lord is going to come in such a way as a surprise, and they're going to be left to what? Endure the condemnation that will separate them and destroy them. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Does that sound like our world today? Hey, it's our life. We can live it. We can claim our rights. We can do what we want. We Listen, it's our life. It's our life. It's our life. Nobody controls it. And let me tell you something. Here's what Jesus said. When that day comes, you can, make, you can mark it down. That's when I'll come. Because why? It'll be a surprise to those that are not ready. Not to those that are ready, but to those that are not ready. It'll be like a thief. It'll be like me, Christ, coming as a thief. And then you notice what he goes on to say. But ye, brethren, notice the contrast. He says for those that are lost, it'll be like coming as a thief. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, and that day should not overtake you as a thief. In other words, if I'm saved today and I discern the season today, do I know the day and hour which the Lord comes? No. It, listen, if he come this afternoon, in my heart of hearts, would, would, would I be surprised for a moment? Maybe. But would it cut me off guard? No. Why? Because I expect him to come at any time. It's not going to catch you as a thief. In other words, it's not going to catch you unprepared. It's not going to catch you off guard. You're going to be watching. You're going to be anticipating. You're awakened to the fact that Jesus could come at any time. But notice what it says. 
You are the children of light and, and the children of day, and, we are the, and we're not the children of light and of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be what? Does that sound familiar? For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken, drunken in the night. Folks, listen to what I'm about to say. The application here is this. Be ready. What does he mean by be ready? He's talking about your salvation. Be ready. Be ready. Revelation chapter 3, verse 3, Church of Sardis. Remember therefore how thou hast received and heard and hold fast and repent. If therefore thou sh shalt not watch, I will come as, as on thee as a thief. There it is again. Jesus said, I will come unto thee as a thief, and thou shalt not know what hour I will come. Revelation 16, 15. Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked, and they shall see his shame. Now you say, well, preacher, is this coming as a thief talking about a second coming or the rapture? Can I tell you what it's talking about? Yes! You say, what do you mean? I'm telling you this. We don't know the day and hour in which the Lord's going to come to take his bride. But we also won't know the day and hour in which he's going to come in his second coming. We don't know when he's coming in the clouds. We don't know when he's coming on earth. And so it pictures both in Scripture. Amen. In this context, it's talking about the outflow of the rapture. Two will be taken, one will be left, one will be taken. But in Revelation, it's talking about the, him coming as a thief in second coming. You have to look at the context. Context drives a passage. And so here, what we find is he's coming one day in rapture, and he's going to take unto himself those things that he deems as precious. Taken, one to be taken, one to be left. And here's what's going to happen. Those that are left are going to be left. And what's been taken away from them is the opportunity to be saved. And they're going to be left to the thief. And it is here to do nothing but one thing, kill, steal, and destroy. That's what he's talking about. So we see the accountable steward. I want you to see, secondly, the anticipating servant. Look at verse 45. Who then? Now, if you see the word then, it connects us back again. So given the goodman of the house, one that is in control over the things of the house, who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give him them meat in due season? Notice the requirements of a faithful servant. God has given them privileges of grace through which they're to be active in in their service. Now, here's, here's what's unique about this. What's unique about this is the word servant is the word dulios. It means bond servant. Now, I've taught this many times, so I'm not going to teach it, but I want to remind you of it. Okay, what is a bond servant? Well, Exodus 21. A bond servant is someone who has served his master, and his master says, hey, you can go free, you can live however you want to live, no strings attached. And the servant comes back to the master and says, and I'll quote, Master, I love you. I do not want to go free. And at that moment, the master bores a hole in his ear, marks him, and he serves now his master forever. That's what the Bible says. So in other words, it's not a servant that serves out of duty because I have to. It's a servant that serves out of delight because I want to. It's a servant that says, Master, I love you. I mean, why would I want to go free? You've been so good to me. You've been so kind to me. I want to serve you because you love me and I love you and I want to serve you out of love. Hey, let me ask you a question. Is service drudgery to you? If it is, you need to check up. Because you and I, the Bible says, are bond servants to the Lord. You and I are serving the Lord out of love and out of glorious delight. Why? Because he's been so good to us. Mercy stepped in. And all of a sudden he saved me. Mercy gave me what I didn't deserve. Amen. And out of love I serve him. How many of y'all do things for your spouse you wouldn't do for anybody else? Now I'm going to be transparent. My wife's sitting back here. I'm going to be transparent. I told early services. I'd rather have my toenails plucked out than go through 55 racks of clothes. My wife's saying, amen. But do I do it? 
Why? Because I have to? No. I want to. Why? Because I love her. Now, if Howie said, Mac, I want to go shopping for about 50 pairs of clothes, I'm going to say, have at it. (laughs) Now, I love Howie, but I don't love Howie like I love my wife. Y'all say amen. Amen. Now, I'll go drop him off. (laughs) Y'all say amen. (laughs) Or I'll do like most husbands. I'll drop him off and sit at the front door on that little bench at Hamrick's. But see, love gives you desire to do things you would never, ever do. See, I don't understand how someone that says they're saved thinks that church attendance and serving the Lord is a hardship upon their life. That makes no sense biblically to me. Because it's a delight. Why? Because the master that loved you and saved you is the master over his church. And it's the master speaking when we teach and preach and study. I remember when I was dating my wife, we lived apart. I'm talking about apart as far as, you say, preacher, you better have lived apart. I mean apart as far as states. And uh, I remember she would write me these letters. You know, it's amazing. I didn't have to have my neighbor say, are you not going to read that letter? I didn't have to have my neighbor prod me and say, why aren't you opening that letter and reading that letter? I want to tell you something. If I knew that letter was coming, sometimes I'd beat the mailman to the post box because I couldn't wait to see what the one that loved me and that I loved had to say to me. Why is it a drudgery? You see, this is the requirement of a faithful servant. He is a steward over what the master gave him, and he serves the master out of love. Notice the rejoicing of a faithful servant. Look at verse 46. Notice what it says. Blessed, happy, blessed is that servant. Who, who, who? I mean, who, who, who's the servant that's happy? Who's the servant that's blessed? Watch what it says. Whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Doing what? Being a steward over what God's doing, or what God gave him. Being a, a, a servant unto the master out of a motivation of love. He says, blessed is that one who is faithful over everything God has for him. Hey, I want to tell you something, folks. When you and I come to that moment, when face to face we meet the Lord, here's the reality of it. What happens in our life from that moment on as far as our position in the kingdom, which we'll talk about in a minute, it's going to be based upon what we allowed him to do through us here. Paul said, for me to live as Christ, to die is gain. Why would dying be gain to, to Paul? Because his whole life was in Christ. Christ is the only thing that brought him peace. Christ is the only thing that brought him joy. My whole life is wrapped up in a person, the person of Jesus. But I can only know him through faith here. But can I tell you, to die absent from the body to be present with the Lord. Now I can see him face to face, not through the eyes of faith, but through the eyes of sight. And now, and no more hindrances, no more flesh, no more sin, no more sorrow in my life and now it is perfect fellowship with the one that is already my life Amen. no wonder he says to die is gain Luke chapter 12 verse 36 the commentary on this very text out of Luke's gospel listen to what it says And you yourselves, like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed, happy are those servants. Whose servants? Those that are waiting upon him to come back. But whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching, shall find awake, find diligently, giving themselves to what he's given to them. Verily I say unto you, that he shall gird himself, make them sit down to meet, will come forth to serve him. 
him. What are you saying, preacher? The Lord's going to serve us? I'm saying to you that's exactly what the Bible says. But in this sentiment, what? The marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. This whole picture is the wedding. And if he shall come in the second watch or come in the third watch and find them so blessed are those servants. So it doesn't matter which watch he comes. He comes once, comes twice, comes three times. What are they going, what is he going to find? A faithful servant who loves his master, serving out of delight without any hesitation without any hesitation why because love's his motivator notice the reward of a faithful servant verse 47 verily i say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods you say preacher what is that talking about the bible says that when we as his children meet him face to face The Bible says he comes with his rewards. See, there's this mindset today in church in America that says, well, I've prayed the prayer, I'm saved. Therefore, when I die, I'm on the same footing as everybody else when I get to heaven. That's a lie. You say, why is that a lie? Because the Bible says you and I will serve, rule, and reign with Christ. But the basis of our service and the basis of how we rule and reign will be on the basis of what he was able to do through us here. How faithful were we to what he gave us here? It's not that everybody that's saved won't be in heaven. They will. But can I tell you, there will be some people that will have many crowns to lay at his feet in praise. There'll be some people that only have a little bit to lay at his feet and praise. It'll affect how you praise him. It'll affect how you serve him. It'll affect how you rule and reign with him. I want to tell you something, folks. We need to understand that you and I are building our, our literally building what's going to happen in the millennial reign on the basis of what we're doing right here, right now. What you're allowing Christ to do through you will be the basis of what your eternal kingdom will be like. Revelation 3, 21, Church of Laodicea, to him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne, even as I overcame and have sat down in my father in his throne. The Bible says as children of God, listen to what I'm about to say, that we'll even have authority over the angels. Bible says we'll have authority over nations. Say, preacher, what position will I have in that authority? Well, it's based upon what you allow Christ to do through you here. One of the great Old Testament passages that proves this in shadow and type. Go back to Genesis, read the judgment seat of Jacob. As Jacob sat there with his 12 sons and one by one gave them judgment, not whether they were part of the family. That was already settled. But here was the judgment, what role they would have in the, in the future of Israel's kingdom. And can I tell you what it was based upon? What was true of them in their life. In one case, absolute sin took place in one of his sons. But his son repented. And can I tell you what Jacob said? Your will be heir in that kingdom. Why? Repentance took place. You see, folks, you and I need to understand that there's a reward for those that are faithful. Now, look thirdly and lastly at an apathetic sinner. Look at verse 48. But, contrast, but and if that evil servant shall say in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming. An apathetic sinner. Now, I want you to look at something. Look first at the appearance of this servant. And don't miss it. All right, in verse 45, the word servant I told you was dulios, bondservant. All right, now here this servant's called an evil servant. So wouldn't it make sense, just from grammatical standpoint alone, wouldn't it make sense that that would be a different word for servant as in, in the, in the, for the previous servant? Well, what if I told you it wasn't? What if I told you it was the exact same word? 
You say, well, preacher, wait a minute. How could it be the exact same word? It says he's an evil servant. Because here's the picture. He has said to his master, I'll love you and I want to serve you. But when his master's not there, he lives different than what he says. In other words, he's a pretender. He's one that vocalizes his love for his master. He's one that vocalizes his desire to serve his master. But when it comes right down to it, he serves himself. He does what's best for himself. Now, we're going to build up on this through this, this last verses, but I want you to listen to me today. There's an appearance today in churches of a lot of people in churches in America that say, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, I love my Lord. But then on Monday through Friday, they live like the world. And their desire is to please themselves at the cost of whoever. The appearance of this servant. Notice the attitude of this servant. Verse 48. He says in his heart, my Lord delayeth his coming. So here's this servant has a master. He's told the master, I love you. And he's serving the master as if he were a true bondservant. And his master's gone. He's left the servant over control of the, be a steward of what the master had. And here's, here's the mindset, the attitude of this servant. <laughs> well, listen, I know this master. He's not coming back anytime soon. I got all the time in the world to live how I want to live. I can live it up. Why? Because listen, he, he's not going to come anytime soon. He's going to delay his coming. It's going to be a long time before he comes. And can I tell you, that is exactly what's happening in the church in America. We're living our life as if, hey, it's going to be another 300, 400, 500,000 years before the Lord comes. I got news for you. The generation that sees Israel become a nation, that generation will not pass away. No matter which date you take, it's been almost 70 years. You do the math. And we ought to live every day as if right here, right now, the one that I love, the one that loved me, he's going to come back and I'm going to see him face to face. Every moment. But he that says, oh, I got all the time in the world. All the time in the world. That one's in trouble. Watch what it says. Second Peter. Look at with me. Second Peter, chapter three, verse three. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust or own desires. Does that sound like today? Does anybody does that sound like today? I want my rights. I want to live how I want to live. I want to live independent of authority. I want to live independent of anybody else. I want myself. I want what I want. I want what I want. I want what I want. Does that sound like today? Amen. And saying, where is the promise of his coming? Notice what it said. For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. In other words, listen, I've heard it all my life. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. Look around. It's the same as it was hundreds of years ago. And they were saying it hundreds of years ago. He's not coming anytime soon. I got all my life ahead of me. Watch what it says. From since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water in the, in the water. What does it mean? In other words, that's the exact same mindset they had in the flood, before the flood. Hey, Noah, you're nuts. Noah, you're nuts. It's not going to rain. It's not going to flood. And all of a sudden, what happened when it started? Whereby the world that when the, that digging was being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and earth, which are now by the same word, are kept in store. In other words, ready. In storage, ready. Reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Can I tell you the only thing that's keeping 
the Lord from coming from his church and bringing judgment upon this world. Can I tell you what it is? God the Father hadn't said the word. There's an old fable that was told years and years ago that I think has a lot of principle of truth in it. But it's a fable. So don't anybody go out of here and say, our preacher told this as if it was a true story. I didn't. It's a fable. But listen to it. There was three demonic apprentices going to go to earth to finish their apprenticeship as a demon. And they met with Satan to tell Satan what they were going to do to try to deceive people when they went to the earth. The first apprentice looked at Satan and said these words, I will tell them there's no God. Satan said to that apprentice, that won't work. They'll know there's a God. The second apprentice said, I will tell them there's no hell. Satan said, that won't work. He said, because those that have been under the word will know there's a hell. The third apprentice said, I will tell them there's no hurry. Satan said, go, you'll deceive thousands. We bought into the lie of Satan. And thousands will not be ready. Notice the activity of the servant, verse 49. And shall, he shall begin to smite his fellow servants, eat, drink, and be drunkard. Remember the days of Noah? They shall eat, drink, give marriage, be married, be given in marriage, live their lives how they always lived it, not expecting at any moment that judgment could come. So what is this? Now notice, the faithful servant, what is he doing? He is found doing. He is found faithful in the things that he's been given to, to be faithful in. And he's always expecting at any moment the Lord could come. What about this wicked servant? Oh, the Lord's not going to come anytime soon. My master's not going to come anytime soon. I'm going to eat. I'm going to drink. I'm going to be merry. I'm going to live my life how I want to live it. It's going to be glorious. Because see, life's about me. Notice the awareness of this servant. Verse 50. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him in an hour that he's not aware of. So what's the awareness of this servant? He's going to be caught off guard as a thief coming in the night. He has no awareness that his master was coming. He has no understanding that every day he lived in the season that his master could come. And therefore, when he came, caught him off guard. And he wasn't ready. Notice the accountability of the servant. And he shall be cut asunder. The word cut asunder is a Hebrew, comes from the Hebrew Old Testament. And here's what it means to be cut in two in the same regards as the offering that was put up on the altar. Speaks of death. And it says he will experience, he'll be accountable. For the wages of sin is what? Death. And he'll endure the condemnation that he could have escaped. if he had been truly a bondservant. Let me show you one last thing. The appointment of this servant. And shall cut him asunder and is appoint and appoint him his portion, his due, with the hypocrites. Why hypocrites? Because that's what he was. Remember he said, I love you, master. I want to serve you. But when the master wasn't there in his sight, he lived his life for himself. 
So when the master comes as a thief, unexpectedly, he's living his life for himself. And what does the master say? I'm going to give you the portion of what you are, a hypocrite. But Lord, Lord, don't you know I've cast out demons in your name? I've done mighty works in your name. Lord, Lord, don't you know? Depart from me, for I never, ever knew you. You wasn't mine. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. What is that? Hell. Hell. Why gnashing of teeth? Speaks of sorrow. Speaks of agony. Speaks of literally tumultuous agony. A fire that dieth not. Why weeping? Because here's a unique thing about hell. Luke 16 gives us this information. You say, what is it? Everyone in hell will have a perfect memory. They'll remember every time the gospel was shared. They'll remember every time mercy tried to step in. They'll remember every time the conviction of the Holy Spirit tried to awaken them that they were lost. They will remember every time that truth was taught and truth was preached. They'll remember every time that God tried to protect them and garner their protection for that day that he would show mercy unto them and save them if they would receive, would receive him. And they would remember every day and every hour they had the opportunity to say yes to him and no to self. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. But remember, for those that are ready, they won't be caught as a thief. They're ready. They're prepared. So here's the question. Every person listening online or sitting here, are one or two people. A true Dulios bondservant who loves their master because he should have brought in their hearts his love. He loved them first, and we love him back. And we serve him not out of duty, but out of delight. It's a joy. Or an evil servant who proves through the life they live, not what they say, but how they live, that life's about me. Life's about what I want. Life's about what I get. If I don't get what I want, I'm not happy because life's about me. So let me ask you a question. Which one is it? And you say, preacher, why aren't you preaching something encouraging in these days? Is there anything more encouraging than to know that you know that you know that you're saved? Amen. How can you have encouragement without Jesus? And if there's ever a day this needs to be preached, is it not today? If we truly believe that we're in the last of the last of the last days, why in the world would we not sound the alarm? Be ready. Be ready. Be ready. And for the Christian, the alarm is this. Watch. 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 Are you ready? Listen. You might just hear Gabriel cleaning out the spit valve. Father. I pray we take this very, very serious this morning. Father, if we know that we're ready, then I pray we'll be watchful. 
I pray that we'd stand in the gap for those that are not ready. Father, maybe this morning there'll be somebody that's here or somebody that's listening online, and they just be honest. To truly think that the Lord could come back at any time is frightening to them. Because they know, like this second servant, the thought of you coming in expectation, moment by moment, day by day, having it fresh up on our minds, is foreign to them. Because life is about them. Serving you, I'll do it if I have to. It's drudgery. But Father, for one of your true servants, it's a delight. I don't have to, I get to. So Father, I want to ask today. We can sound the alarm with the preaching of your word. And I pray that you've preached through me this morning. But Father, the alarm that changes people is when your Holy Spirit takes your word and rings the bell of the heart and says, now's the day. Now's the hour that your redemption can be real. Father, I pray you're ringing the bell in people's hearts right now. But Father, for all that are listening and all that are sitting here that know they're ready. They're like the John. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, come. But they know those around them. Family, friends, co-workers are lost. Oh, Father, will we be the one that stands in the gap for them in intercession? Bends the knee and cries their name out to you, the Father. And says, oh, God, would you do whatever it takes to open their blind eyes? Because the hour is short and time is at hand. And I'll thank you and I'll praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.